The Good Neighbor Network, FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and online at WGNSRadio.com. This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now your host, Scott Walker. Right now that time, 8.13, you're listening to WGNS again on this Monday morning. And our guest in studio this morning is Kayla Jenkins, a graduate student at MTSU. And uh, you graduated in their public history master's program, correct? Yes, I'm set to graduate uh, this August, August 12th. Okay, and you have recently been involved in a voting campaign of sorts. Tell us a little bit more about that, and uh, I understand you also recently won an award with it, too. Yeah, so um, I am the club secretary for American Democracy Project at MTSU, um, which is a nonpartisan club for students who are interested in the democratic process and trying to get the rest of the campus civically involved and engaged. So over the last um, fall semester, we did a voter registration drive as part of the Tennessee Secretary of State's voter registration competition. We managed to register about 600 voters, uh, and we actually registered more than any public university in the state. So MTSU won the Secretary of State's award, and then that ended up actually getting me nominated for the uh, National All-In Challenge Award. Uh, And I I won that for MTSU, so that was really exciting. That's pretty cool. How did you go about getting that many people to register to vote? Because that's a lot, especially for a college. So we were out there every day in the fall semester. I would set up the voter registration booth at about 8 a.m. I would sit out there for about four hours until I had to go to class. Had to have somebody come and take over for me while I was away, but we just, we did it every single day during the fall semester. We were out there for the time when students could register to vote and we were asking every student that walked by, are you registered to vote? And if so, where, and do you have a voter plan? So what kind of feedback did you get from some students, you know, as far as positive or even negative? I got pretty much uh, everything across the spectrum you could think of. I got a lot of students who, you know, said, I don't see why this is important for me. And so we would sit down and talk about, well, what issues do you care about? Because I really believe that everybody's got issues. You know, we just have to pin down what is it that's most important to you. Um, But a lot of the students already knew exactly what they cared about. They knew what they wanted to talk about. And they just needed to get updated to make sure that they were ready to vote when the time came around. So MTSU students are really civically minded. Um, They just need to know where to put that energy. So that's where our club comes in. So were you surprised by any of the feedback you got, uh, you know, be it on the on the good side or on the bad side? Um, I guess I was surprised by the different um, ends of the political spectrum, both saying the same thing which you'd get somebody who was, you know, a really, really like pro-government, you know, strong government kind of person saying, oh, well, I don't think voting is important. And then I had someone who self-described themselves as an anarchist say, oh, I don't think it's important. So (laughs) it's really funny how people who seem to have so much different really at the same time feel the same way about our civic system and they feel that they're not being heard. So I think it's important for us as citizens to step up and be that bridge uh, between our community and our, our public servants. And did you run across anybody who was, let's say, you know, over 40 years old who had not registered ever to vote? 
I didn't have anybody who was over 40 who had never registered. I did have quite a few folks over 40 who needed to update their voter registration. So just as a reminder for everyone, if you've moved or changed your name uh, or anything like that in the last year, you do need to update your voter registration. Again, Kayla Jenkins with us this morning and talking about a recent project that you participated in and I guess spearheaded, right? Um, I, I helped out a lot. There, it's a team effort. So like I said, I'm the club secretary, but American Democracy Project at MTSU has a stellar group of young people who are very passionate about the MTSU community and the Rutherford County community. And our next step is to try and get another polling place uh, close by or even on MTSU's campus for early voting. Now, nationwide, I think 174 or so students participated in this all in to sign up more people to vote. Did you have a chance to talk to people in other states to see how they did? I haven't yet, but I have been invited to the All In Challenges Awards Ceremony, which is going to happen in November. Um, So I'm excited to attend that and hopefully get to meet some other folks. I did actually attend a uh, conference about this in Boston, Massachusetts, just a couple weeks ago, and I was able to meet some really cool civic fellows there who are doing the same work. And did you hear from anybody else, you know, at colleges in Tennessee, and did they tell you how they did? Oh, yeah. Well, we uh, MTSU actually took the lead along with Vanderbilt in hosting the Middle Tennessee um, version of a campus civic summit. So it was for all of the colleges in Middle Tennessee. We had lots of students from all over come in and we all talked about what we're doing, shared strategies and different ideas. So we've got people from Motlow, from South College, from Sewanee, you know, all sorts of folks coming in. And you had, again, what, over 600 people sign up? Just at 600, right about 600, yes. So 600 registered to vote and uh, a lot of those I'm sure are first time voters, like yes. you were saying. And then you had some who were just changing their address or were they registering in Tennessee for the first time? Uh, Also both. So we'd have some folks who lots of students, as you know, may be from out of state, but live in the community for a couple of years while they're here. And we always tell people that wherever you lay your head at night is where you should vote. So if you live in the Rutherford County community, you need to update your voter registration to be in this community. A lot of folks, especially students, aren't going to make a four hour trip to go home just to vote. So we say if it's easier for you to vote here, then you should vote here. And, you know, these days it seems like everybody is very opinionated on social media, but in person, I don't know that that's the case. Did anybody really vocalize to you things that they feel are important to them? So I agree. I think that everyone on social media, it's a lot easier to to say what they want to say behind a screen, right? But I was really impressed. And the best part of what I did last fall for voter registration was getting some students who would sit down at the booth with me and really get into the issues and talk about it in a civil way, you know, not in like we see on TV where it's the screaming back and forth at each other, but in a really civil productive way where students can talk and I've made some really great friends through my time at the voter registration booth so I think that if Americans would sit down and just talk to each other face to face we would really get along a lot better. Now I I know that you did the master's program there at MTSU but what what's your next step? Well, I've actually just gotten my first uh, big girl job after college. I have been uh, promoted to be the project director for the Tennessee Campus Democracy Network, which is basically going to be an extension of what I was doing uh, with MTSU just at the 
bigger state level. So instead of focusing my efforts on MTSU, I'm now going to be helping out colleges all across the state do the same sorts of things that we're spearheading at MTSU. So do you have lots of good ideas already in mind? Oh, yeah. Uh, We're actually hoping to get together a West Tennessee Campus Civic Summit here in the future. So fingers crossed that that turns out. Is there an area of Tennessee that has less voters registered than other areas? I mean, be it East Tennessee, the middle area, or West Tennessee? It really is less about East, Middle, or West, and it more comes down to urban versus rural. Um, So whether it's in East Tennessee or West Tennessee, you're going to have a lot more rural voters out there, and it's very difficult um, for people to reach them, whether it be just having voter registration drives in that community or having volunteers to do the work. Um, I'm from a rural community myself, so my only advice there is that we have to be the ones to pick up the torch and carry it. There are lots of very intelligent, civically-minded people in East Tennessee and West Tennessee who are into politics, who care about their communities, and, and can do more to help them out. So. And did anybody talk about some of their, I don't know, fears of voting for the first time or concerns about voting? Lots of younger students, especially the freshmen, you know, it's their first time voting for a lot of them. So they were concerned about how do I know what's on the ballot or how do I know where to go? Um, So what we did as a club is print off a bunch of yard signs, which had all of the candidates, all of their important points, what they stand for based off of what they put on their own websites. Uh, printed out those yard signs along with where your closest polling location is and we put those yard signs in front of every freshman dorm Um, and that really I saw lots of kids taking pictures of them to remind themselves you know here's where I need to go here's what's on the ballot so it's just trying to make up those efforts here and there and of course we have a presidential election around the corner but in addition to that there's always local elections happening be it state representatives or senators Do students who are from other areas or do students in general really understand all the different offices and things they're voting for? I think that they can understand them if they're given the tools and resources to understand them. A lot of the time that information is buried in all of these websites or it's kept behind a paywall or it's kept behind a college education. So we as the people who have figured out you know where to find this information it's our job to help pass that on so i think that you know we've got to create a culture of voting where community members can help each other say what we need to say you know we're not trying to influence how anybody thinks we're trying to give people the microphone to let them have a voice and because we live in this you know two second soundbite world it seems like do do students understand that everything they see on social media that is political is not necessarily accurate? I think younger students are very um, tech savvy and civically minded when it comes to what they see online. Um, Especially people who have gone to college or university, they get taught these critical thinking skills which are crucial to being an informed voter, you know, being able to tell if something is fake news or not fake news. So young people actually, I think, are leading the way on that. It's some of the uh, folks who are a little bit more mature, who maybe haven't been online as much, who need a little bit of a helping hand there. Again with us, Kayla Jenkins, graduate student in MTSU's Public History Master's Program, and once more, You uh, were recently named to the All-In Campus Democracy Challenge. And uh, as we close this morning, where can people learn more about that? Um, You can look up All-In, the All-In Challenge online. Um, It is a nationwide effort to get students involved in civics. Um, You can also go to uh, Amerdem, A-M-E-R-D-E-M, 
at mtsu.edu. Uh, that is ADP's email, so you can shoot us an email if you have any questions, or you could also look us up on the school website, but that is where you're going to find most of the information that we've gathered over the last year. And again, you won the uh, All-In Challenge here in Tennessee, and and what about nationwide? Do you go on to compete again, or, or could you compete again? Well, I, I won for MTSU, but there is a national um, nomination for different sorts of awards at a, a higher level. I don't think I've been nominated for anything like that. That would be wonderful if I was, but I'm happy with where I am right now, and I'm happy to start working and really continue this work across Tennessee because it's so important. Tennessee really needs to step up its civic culture. Well, congratulations to you. And again, you got just over 600 different people to register to vote. And like you said, some for the very first time. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard work and there's no easy way to do it. It can be a slog, but it's worth it to make sure that your community is, is being democratically engaged. Again, Kayla Jenkins with us this morning from MTSU. Kayla, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. At time right now, 826. We have more news and information coming up. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up. Look up our catering menu on www.demasrestaurants.com. This is Peter Demas at Demas's Restaurant, 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Hi, this is Mike Cutter. I'm the owner of the award-winning family-owned home care agency, Honey Hill Home Care. Are you or a loved one in need of a reliable, compassionate caregiver? Since our inception seven years ago, Honey Hill has grown to be the trusted source for home care for hundreds of clients and their families in Rutherford County. My daughter Becca and I started Honey Hill as a result of personal need and understand what you and your family are going through. If you are searching for a family-owned, non-franchised home care agency, contact Honey Hill Home Care. Learn more about Honey Hill at HoneyHillHC.com. Mills Family Pharmacy on South Church Street has a lot more than your needed prescriptions. Their gift shop has unique gifts and home decor that local residents love. Mills is adding Harold's Hogwash Barbecue Sauce to their gift shop. Meet Harold Wilcox, the founder of Harold's Hogwash Barbecue Sauce. My hogwash was one of other living magazines, top 13 sauces in the South. Meet Harold, the founder of Harold's Hogwash Barbecue Sauce. Come out to Mills, taste some hogwash for free. Thursday or Friday afternoon at Mills Family Pharmacy. If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, capstarbank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 828, and now our guest is Dr. Robin Lee, Director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services and the Coordinator of the Professional Counseling Program. Uh, Dr. Lee, how are you this morning? 
I'm great. How are y'all? I am good. So tell us a little bit about what you do at MTSU. Well, I am a faculty member in the professional counseling program. Um, We have a graduate program that trains uh, both clinical mental health counselors and school counselors. And so I'm a teacher um, in that program. And I'm also the director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services. And that is the training clinic that's affiliated with the program. So all of the students that are completing that degree actually do provide counseling services um, uh, uh, for free of charge to MTSU um, community. And then we charge $10 per session for anyone in the local community. Now, MTSU recently partnered with RISE Coalition to host the inaugural First Aid for Mental Health Youth Wellness Expo. And that's going to be on uh, June, well, I guess it was on June yes, 24th. It was Saturday. Two days ago. So yes. tell, how did that go and what is the RISE Coalition? Well, it was an excellent event um, planned by the RISE Coalition, and MTSU had an opportunity to partner um, to provide some support. Um, RISE Coalition is a nonprofit organization that's mission is to bridge the gap between ideas and action for communities of color in Rutherford County. And so um, that knowing how important mental health issues are to the community, uh, this group came together to um, develop this program, and it was very much a success. Probably over 100 people attended. There were 20 or so uh, vendors that were there that were uh, mental health agencies, private practitioners, uh, other resources that were just um, important for uh, the youth as well as parents to know about, um, have access to those uh, options in the community. And so, yes, it was a, a huge success. And uh, we, it, I know that at my center, we were so pleased to be involved, and MTSU was definitely represented and engaged, and so we were really excited about it. You know, I'm curious, what are some of the biggest issues that students face these days? And I'm sure some of that was discussed there, uh, you know, at that event, the expo. Mm-hmm. I would say that the, that anxiety and, and depression are probably the most prevalent of what um, youth deal with today. Um, there's just a lot of pressure uh, from uh, social media. I was listening to your previous guest, and we know that that has a, a major effect on their mental well-being. Um, sometimes they lack the resources that they need to be able to understand the anxiety. And then what do I do with the anxiety? So, But as far as um, kids are concerned, it's also important to engage the parents because the parents are the number one resource, um, parents, guardians, that that, adult, that children have. And so that was another component of the expo, was not only to speak to youth, but also to their parents and how, helping them understand how to um, assist their kids when they are dealing with these issues. Nationwide, it seems like we have read report after report of a rise in not only anxiety rates, but depression rates among youth and young adults. Are you seeing that locally as well? Um, We are. um, Certainly after the pandemic, we have seen a lot of um, folks that are coming in that are dealing with anxiety and and depression. Um, And sometimes because of the anxiety, then comes the depression. And so what we try to do is just give people the resources that they need in order to manage the anxiety. Um, That it's something that I think 
we may expect that will go away sometimes, but if someone is dealing with that, it may be something that's persistent throughout their lifetime. And so really helping them uh, develop those tools um, to, to understand the anxiety and, and what they can do about it for themselves. Counseling is something that certainly can help, um, but it's not always a long-term situation. So we really work to um, enhance the, the, the strengths that the person has already so that they can manage it in the future. And again, we're talking with Dr. Robin Lee, Director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services and also Coordinator of the Professional Counseling Program. And she is there at MTSU. It seems like for a long time, the word depression or getting counseling were both words that people didn't talk about or say. Is that still true today or are people more open about saying, you know, yeah, maybe maybe I do need counseling? Right. I think that's probably one of the most exciting parts about this um, aspect of, of um, this programming and, and what we're doing is that people are becoming more aware of their mental well-being. I think that it is uh, people are taking advantage of mental health care. Um, they're much more savvy about um, choosing providers or knowing exactly what they what they what they need in order to cope, in order to um, be successful uh, with their lives, and so it you're definitely seeing more of an understanding and people taking advantage of of the services that they ha- are, that are available. And for parents who are out there listening this morning, I know there are counseling services on the campus like you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Where do students go or do they call? How do they learn more about counseling services at MTSU? Right. Well, so uh, the Campus Counseling Center is available to MTSU students, and it is uh, free of charge for them to go and visit. Um, it, their model is... Uh, more of a short-term situation, of course, because there are so many students that we have to serve at MTSU. But MTSU, the Counseling Center, uh, Counseling Services, was represented at this expo. Uh, Dr. Mary Kay Anderson was actually one of the panelists, and so she was able to talk about um, issues that that are for more college-age students. And so if anyone is interested in counseling or receiving services, then they can contact uh, campus counseling. And then our center also serves MTSU students, and um, they are welcome to contact us. Uh, We actually will be opening again in August, and we'll be taking appointments. And as I said, those are free of charge for MTSU community, Um, but we do provide counseling services for the local community and at at a very reduced rate of $10 per session. So we're always available um, for folks that might have, um, may, may not be in, insured or may have co-pays that are even just more than they can afford. So we are happy to, to be able to provide that service and be a resource for the, for the local community as well. Now, I want to go back to social media and how that plays a role in the mental well-being of those who are young adults or freshmen, let's say, in college, how, how does social media play a role in, in not only, you know, mental well-being, but the emotional side of things? How, how does that play a role? Well, I, I think that social media is just very complicated for us and for society because it can be a good thing. Um, it can help young people connect, um, shared experiences, um, provide support through that aspect but 
it also can be a distraction and it can be um, something that can that can be consuming and so what what I think the recommendation for anyone that's dealing with um, a, a young person is to make sure that they are not using it excessively um, that they're having a balanced um, life that they're engaging with people and their their peers and, and their parents and those that are in their lives and uh, just staying connected um, because if they are too uh, connected to social media and it becomes um, more of their focus then that's really not healthy and so we just encourage folks to have a balance hey, and I guess people before they know it they can be on their phone checking social media accounts you know 10 20 30 times a day very easily Yes, yeah. I was um, reading a, a book yesterday um, with um, Oprah Winfrey, and she was talking about seeing someone, a, um, a mother, in a carriage ride, and the kids were looking around, and they were really enjoying it, and the parent was on their phone, and possibly taking the picture and posting it on, on you know, media, and, and not present, not there with the kids and enjoying it. So I think it really is about just being engaged and being present and being mindful about um, what what you're experiencing and what your kids are experiencing. You know, you, you bring up something that's that's huge, and it is so true that often we look around maybe at a shopping mall or at a restaurant, we'll see a mom, a dad, or whatnot on their phone, not even paying attention to what's going on around them or their children. They're, they're not even mm-hmm. interacting. Right. And I've been guilty of it as well. I've got two um, older children. And so uh, I do sometimes have to uh, make sure that I'm being present and being mindful of what's happening around me. And I think it just takes um, the acknowledgement that we we should be doing this and and we want to um, make sure that we're being good role models for our kids and and, uh, not using um, social media excessively or even technology. Again with us this morning, Dr. Robin Lee, Director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services, and uh, you are a professor there at MTSU. And uh, it it is interesting to kind of look at social media and how that does play a role in the makeup of a family. And I, I think highlighting that, yeah, you know, there's a lot of parents out there who do get wrapped up in social Mm -hmm. media or even checking their email right and next thing you know they're not in right and the exciting thing about the expo is the fact that you know you're looking at all of these folks um young people and they're engaged they're there they're present you didn't see a lot of them out with you know with their phones um i mean we were all taking pictures of course but nonetheless um it was very engaging and it was really just refreshing to see um that that level of engagement so at that expo that was on Saturday, did all of this stuff get covered? I, I mean, did they focus on numerous things? Um, absolutely. There was a panel of uh, mental health professionals, and they were um, providing information, providing resources. But the nice thing about the panel and the way that it was developed was that it was interactive. So there was a moderator and um um, Eric Merriweather, who's the, the um, developer of Rise Coalition, um, his daughter was actually the moderator, and so she had questions that she was asking, and they would um, talk with the audience, and the audience could ask questions, and so there there was definitely um, a lot of engagement in the discussion about mental health, and so that was very um, 
very cool to see. Hey, I know we only have a minute or so left, but how big of a role does equality play in today's mental well-being of, of youth and young adults? Mm-hmm. Well, so um, one of the uh, sponsors of this was the Center for Fairness, Justice, and Equity, which is uh, Dr. Michelle Stevens, and it's in the College of Education as well. And so that was definitely a focus, is to make sure that communities of color uh, know the resources that are available. And um, I think that that, the, the, that community um, has um, not always had a focus on mental health, and so this was the um, the purpose of this event was to really highlight this, and so it really was a great resource for the community, and I'm sure that this is something that we want to continue and um, that this group, RISE Coalition, will uh, continue to provide this expo, and hopefully MTSU will also be there and, and to be supportive of that. Again, Dr. Robin Lee with us this morning, Director of the Center for Counseling and Psychological Services, and then also Coordinator of the Professional Counseling Program. And uh, we appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Definitely. And maybe we'll have you back on in the near future, but a lot of interesting topics. Thank you. That time right now, 8.42. We're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we have even more from MTSU. And in just a few minutes, we'll be talking about the Business and Economic Research Center. But before we head to that segment, we have a segment from Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris with the Commissioner Corner. That comes your way in just a minute. We're broadcasting from the Middle Tennessee Electric Studios. Middle Tennessee Electric has been serving to make life better since 1936. You can learn more online about Middle Tennessee Electric and about power outages at mte.com. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. This is Dr. David Morris with Magnolia Medical Center. Do you suffer from peripheral neuropathy in your hands or feet, burning pain, balance problems, and decreased quality of life? Magnolia Medical Center can help. Magnolia Medical Center in Murfreesboro. Online at magnoliamedicalcenters.com. Y'all come on out and have some fun at the annual Smithville Fiddler Jamboree and Crafts Festival. We'll have Zeb Ross and the Jay Creek Cloggers performing on Friday night at 7. On Saturday evening at 5, we'll be awarding the Blue Blaze Award to East Nash Grass. Don't forget, the Grand Champion Fiddler been invited to play at the Grand Ole Opry for the Opry Square Dancers. Visit SmithvilleJamboree.com for showtimes and directions to the Jamboree. Yeehaw! The Commissioner Corner with Commissioner Craig Harris. County governments are so often overlooked. The people spend the majority of their government time focused on federal government, only paying attention to what it is the president is up to lately or which laws the legislative branch is trying to push out now. County officials are very much deserving of your attention as well. After all, these people are the ones that are dealing with the problems that are so close to home. County government has a huge impact on some of the most valuable resources to counties, such as schools, law enforcement, solid waste, public safety, roads, taxes, employment, and overseeing the budget for all. The county government consists of elected officials such as county commissioners, county mayor, sheriff, county clerk, trustee, highway department, 
registered deeds, circuit court clerk, assessor, and others as well as committees and boards. All county elections are partisan, which means that the party affiliation of each candidate are listed on the ballot. Each one of these offices must provide an annual budget that will go before the County Commission Budget Committee to be recommended to the full commission and then approved. And then if there is a vote to increase taxes or not, it will go through that process. It is very complicated, but in some terms, does revenues pay for expenses? The county budget is very complicated, and it's hard for me to explain it to you in three minutes. But what I'm going to do is touch on some items and let you make the choice for yourself. Rutherford County is one of the fastest growing counties in the state of Tennessee. We had 325,000 citizens and are growing at a rate of seven people a day. Growth pressures local governments to provide additional public services and infrastructure that can't be met adequately by local sales tax or property tax. It is a gross misconception that growth pays for itself. It gets very complicated, but I will try to simplify. The county receives revenues from various sources, but the main sources are property tax, local sales tax, and state revenue, which mainly goes to schools. Property tax is set by the county commission on appraised value of property. That value has been assessed by the elected office of the tax assessor. Sales tax, which is 9.75%, of that the county gets 2.75%. 50% of that tax goes to the schools, and the rest goes to the jurisdiction it was collected in. Our school system, which is in the top 10% of the state, is our biggest expense. The school accounts for over 75% of our entire budget, which is $778 million. High growth has a major impact on the school's budget. As of today, we have 50,996 students, 51 schools, 5,892 employees with 300 open positions. We're getting south of 2,000 new students every year. Our schools are at the full capacity right now, and we have 142 portables to help offset that growing problem. The budget is around $500 million a year. To address the overwhelming growth, schools proposed an $800 million ask for capital projects over the next five years. As for this commissioner, that figure, although warranted, is unattainable. The only way to build schools, we must borrow money. This county has a AAA rating by Moody, which means we're financial stable. And this rating affords us to borrow money at a low interest rate. But borrowing money this large threatens that rate. The rising cost and growth of our school is the major factor in raising taxes. You see it cost around $9,700 per student to attend school for one year. The state pays 65% of that, which leaves the county to pay $3,400 per student. The average household in Rutherford County has 2.3 children, so now that cost is $6,800 per household. The average property tax for a 3,500 square foot house is around $1,700. Of that $1,700, you still have to pay for all the other services the county provides. You see that growth does not pay for itself. To offset this deficit, we have to consider raising taxes. In the five largest counties, which are Shelby, Davidson, Knox, Hamilton, and Rutherford County, we have the lowest property tax rate at 1.61%. Davidson is at 2.95%, and Hamilton, which is similar to our size, is 2.25%. We have not abused our property tax and still have a major growth and the top school and community. 
I've only covered a small portion of our government with just a short time. The main question, will we raise taxes? My answer is most likely, but I hope I'll explain why to a degree. I want you to know three important things. Growth does not pay for itself. Schools are a major expense, and not one commissioner ever wants to raise taxes. This is Craig Harris, and this is the Commissioner Corner. For the Commissioner Corner, that was County Commissioner Craig Harris. The views of Rutherford County Commissioner Craig Harris are just that, his views. They're not necessarily the views of this radio station, website, or our advertisers. Feel free to send your thoughts and ideas to Commissioner Harris by emailing him at ccotinc at comcast.net. Mills Family Pharmacy on South Church Street has a lot more than your needed prescriptions. Their gift shop has unique gifts and home decor that local residents love. Mills is adding Harold's Hogwash Barbecue Sauce to their gift shop. Meet Harold Wilcox, the founder of Harold's Hogwash Barbecue Sauce. My hogwash was one of Southern Living Magazine's top 13 sauces in the South. Meet Harold, the founder of Harold's Hogwash Barbecue Sauce. Come out to Mills, taste some hogwash for free. Thursday or Friday afternoon at Mills Family Pharmacy. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Right now that time, 8.50. Again, you're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning. And during this final half of the program, we have with us Dr. Murat Eric, Director of the Business and Economic Research Center, and Jennings and Rebecca Jones, Chair of Excellence in Urban and Regional Planning. First of all, how are you this morning? I am doing great. Thank you very much for inviting me here. I, I know your department always puts out the most interesting studies and statistics, and a lot of those uh, studies and statistics are about things here, right here in Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee. Yes, and in fact, we do that, and every year, we have four or five studies out there and dealing with the various aspects of uh, Tennessee's economy. And tell us a little bit more about a new scholars program that I guess was recently launched by the Jennings and Rebecca Jones Chair of Excellence in Urban and Regional Planning Advisory Committee. Sure. Um, and again, you know, thank you very much for inviting me to talk about this very exciting program. And before saying anything about it, and let me just, uh, you know, refresh uh, listeners' mind, you know, is that um, the whole mission of Jennings and Rebecca Jones Chair of Excellence in Urban and Regional Planning is to produce and disseminate information regarding urban and regional challenges and issues. And uh, in, in, to, to achieve this one, actually, we have several tools, of course, at our disposal, but the most important one is, you know, it's a, is the kind of program that we just introduced. You know, it's an urban and scholar, um, uh, uh, scholar program, which is a kind of nine-month applied research and engagement program. And the whole purpose is, again, to promi- promote applied research, regarding the, again, urban and regional issues and challenges, and providing a forum for discussing these challenges and issues in the region. Um, And at the same time, along this process, we're gonna be also accumulating information, gathering data about the regional issues and 
acting as a kind of resource to the community, you know, itself, uh, for the information about those challenges and issues. And uh, of course, one of the critical piece of this program also to bring faculty, students, and community stakeholders together to identify and solve the regional issues, regional challenges and issues. And uh, we do that also through the academic research and engagement. Hey, and of course, being here in Middle Tennessee, we are seeing so many urban regional issues when it comes to planning and, and construction and because mm -hmm. we have so much growth. Yes, and I think our population is growing more than you know, it's uh, our infrastructure, at least faster than our infrastructure, faster than many other social and regional issues. So we need to have some sort of venue to identify and, you know, it's a solve, address some of these issues. Now, this new pilot program is going to launch August 25th, uh, and a lot of students are going to participate in this. We are hoping you know, to invite more students into the program. Currently, we're gonna have 10 students passionate about the urban and regional issues. We ask them to write an essay about these regional uh, issues, you know, so when they apply for the program. And we have uh, currently, uh, we accepted nine, and we are actually, you know, so hoping to get the, the, the or, you know, I say give the acceptance to the 10 students. So we're going to have 10 dedicated students for the program. And we have also 10 faculty members acting as mentors to these students. And I, I know we don't have a whole lot of time on this mm -hmm. segment, but it, this program is really going to be great for, you know, future planners who may work for Murfreesboro, the city of Murfreesboro, Nashville, and then engineers. I mean, this is a great program for a lot of people. It is an interdisciplinary program, and we are actually encouraging students from all departments to apply for this program. And at the same time, you know, the program actually has three major legs. You know, so one of them, of course, students themselves. You know, so very passionate about regional issues. Second one is the faculty members dedicated to support these students, and third one, the community stakeholders. The already chair of excellence has ten advisory uh, committee members, and these are from different parts of the community, um, and and we are also currently working with a couple of our sponsors to create, you know, introduce new sessions into the program. For example, one of them is Common Region Tomorrow. It's a, it's a nonprofit organization dedicated to identify and solve or help solve, you know, it's a regional challenges and issues. And uh, we are currently partnering with them so that the, some of the board of directors actually come travel here Murfreesboro and guide our students. We will also have panels organized around certain topics like mobility, livability, sustainability, these kind of uh, challenges and issues. And we will actually, you know, it's a, create a kind of momentum in the region, hopefully, you and know, it's a, for future activities. And, you know, better urban planning, better planning of infrastructure, all of that will help save cities money in the future, obviously. The efficient planning 
and sustainable planning always going to save people money. And I bet all too often, city planners all across the country, they often look back and say, well, we should have done this or should have done that differently. Yes. I mean, this whole thing is exactly to create that kind of awareness and also, you know, help identify the challenges so that we plan ahead and address, you know, those challenges before they become, you know, a real problem. So if you were to kind of look at all the different cities across the U.S. and here in Tennessee, what do you think are or what do you think is the biggest glaring issue that should be addressed or studied? You know, I say currently uh, our population is growing dramatically. Uh, and already, you may know, actually, our roads, especially in Nashville area, is extremely congested. And that's one of the critical infrastructure issue that you know, so this region has to deal with. And it's, it's kind of, um, it, it, you know, transportation already jammed, but at the same time, you know, it's a, you need workforce, you know, it's a, to live and work in certain regions, especially in Nashville, I must say, I mean, Nashville, uh, city of Nashville. But the cost of living so high and sometimes it's difficult for those individuals to live in there and serve their communities there and they often you know commute and you need public transportation in some cases so it's, it's just um the population growing uh, population growth actually is driving or bringing host of challenges that need to be addressed and this is is currently is very present in our region and of course, transportation, a huge issue in Tennessee and across the country. And uh, I just looked, we're, we're already out of time, but mm-hmm. we, we ought to schedule another time for you to come on and, mm-hmm. and talk even more about this. It's wonderful. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and look forward to actually having a conversation about some special topics that deal with urban and regional issues. Again, Dr. Murat Eric with MTSU on the air with us this morning. And that's going to do it for today's show. We are up against the clock at 9 o'clock, and you are listening to WGNS Murphy's Bro. And stay with us. We have local news coming your way next with Ron Jordan. And then after that, we'll take a look at news from CBS. I can't wait for what's next. Even with higher stroke risk due to atrial fibrillation in a regular heartbeat not caused by a heart valve problem, Eliquis, the Pixaban tablets, reduces stroke risk. It's the number one cardiologist prescribed blood thinner. Don't stop taking prescription Eliquis without talking to your doctor, as this may increase your risk of stroke. Eliquis can cause serious and in rare cases fatal bleeding. Don't take Eliquis if you have an artificial heart valve, abnormal bleeding, or have antiphospholipid syndrome. While taking, you may bruise more easily or take longer for bleeding to stop. A spinal injection while on Eliquis increases risk of blood clots, which may cause paralysis, the inability to move. Get medical help right away for unexpected bleeding or unusual bruising, or if you have tingling, numbness, or muscle weakness. It may increase your bleeding risk if you take medicines such as aspirin products, NSAIDs, SSRIs, SNRIs, and blood thinners. Tell your doctor about all planned medical or dental procedures. Learn more at Eliquis.com or call 1-855-ELIQUIS.